0: let 's turn now to then god 's word and think about what it means to be the Church of jesus christ and we 're starting a brand new series for the next eight weeks leading up to our covenant service you you 'll know if you 're a regular member of SBC that at the start of the year we always have a covenant and uh, and this year we 've decided to delay the covenant renewal until slightly later in the year. We're gonna do it at the end of February. And and the reason for this is so that we can reflect as a church what it means to be the church, so people can reflect on their commitment. I I love the the words that come up as we run that that video where it talks about revision, renew, refresh, rekindle, reimagine. And 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 this sense of as we start the church, that there, there's this excitement about what God is doing here. There's been some remarkably positive things as we've come out of COVID, and, and we've seen some of those. Apart from some of the people that have come to be with us, we've seen evening services that many of you maybe don't go along, but but evening services have now reached pre-COVID levels again and sometimes have exceeded those levels and uh, and which again within a matter of a few weeks that's kind of we've managed to develop that and things and it's been great to see we've got numerous nationalities Uh, i i was sent a list of haven't got it this morning but a list of all the different nationalities that we now have and and reaching students and different nationalities coming in we're seeing in terms of our online presence, and we'll talk a little more about this in a moment. But, but in terms of online, we, we, we have in excess of 200 people every week tuning in to actually engage with the church online. And, uh, and again, that's remarkable. It's a whole congregation. We're not entirely sure what to do with that congregation, but we, we know there's a, a remarkable congregation there. We, we've also seen the, the, the work at the Haven develop. And uh, you, know, I talked about the Channel 5, but we were on national news for our warm spaces. I'll maybe get the video for next week uh, and show you it. And uh, it's, it's wonderful that even nationally, some of the work that's going on here is, is being recognized through things like that. But it's also been a time of significant transition for the church. And so while we've had positive things, there's also been some difficult things. It's become obvious that we're not just going to return post-COVID and everything's going to be like it was. Significant changes have happened in in the Christian psyche. Um, Large and gathered has kind of gone out of fashion and small and local has very much gone into fashion and there's been a national trend uh, in in relation to that. And, And that's impacted us. There's been significant trends in terms of the loss and change of membership. In some of the American larger gathered churches, they, they've seen it as a third, a third, a third. A third of folks just stop coming. A third of folks go to other churches. A third of folks stay. Obviously, a third of folks come in as well. So, but, but what that means is that churches like ourselves, and we've certainly experienced very similar to that, is that... A church has gone through this phenomenal transition in a very short period of time. Uh, It it means that you've seen a vast shift in individuals and folks becoming part of the church, but also in terms of the transition within the makeup of the church. And and it's a bit like a trauma. Uh, I, I, I work out that the changeover within a church is usually sitting at about 10%. But the reality is that Uh, in terms of SBC it's probably around 50 percent that's what it's been doing post COVID or through COVID so COVID has had a remarkable impact in terms of the church and obviously there are individual issues in relation to that but it's changed and so when you've come back as a leader and the other thing that's changed is it's like the rules of gravity have changed And, uh, and what I mean by that is before covid you could kind of predict how things would go but now it's like when you throw a ball and in the old days it would go straight because you knew the rules that's the way it would function now it doesn't it floats off somewhere you go how did that happen where did that come from and and uh, there's just this whole thing so in the midst of this what do we do we can go off into a corner, and uh, like I was talking about last week, we can look at how good the old days were, and we can talk about, you know, it just isn't the same, and it isn't the same, And, and we can feel sorry for ourselves, and we can kind of think, oh, it's not great. We're facing difficult times, and then you switch on your news, and you hear all the same stuff, and it's just terrible, or actually, we can see that God is calling us to do a new thing. And and I really believe that God is calling us to do a new thing. I believe God is going to do something significant through SBC. And I'll tell you why I believe that. Because I look at the people who are coming to join this church. I I look at the, the folks that we've just welcomed. And I look at the hearts and the gifts that these people have and the callings that these people have in their lives. And I know that God is not finished with SBC. And we have a future. And, uh, and I'm not suggesting it's going to be easy, but I am suggesting that God is going to work in exceptional ways as we move into that future. Despite everything that's happening in our societies, despite the sense of despair and depression, despite the challenges that Christianity is facing, despite the things that this specific church is facing, God is going to work and he has our future. And I believe that. Now. As we start into the new year for a lot of people, there's a kind of decision to be made and and we've had all this transition within the life of the church and basically um, our uh, our databases bear very little correlation to reality. And uh, and we recognize that And, and we need to recognize what is the church. And who are members of the church and who are committed to that future and who are going to be part of that new thing that God is going to do and, and so as a leadership we felt it was right to sit down at the start of the year and actually ask everybody to reconsider their membership of SBC I know this is like uh, I, I know there were one or two that thought this is an insane thing to do what are you doing uh some people will say this is great to have the names on the list and uh, and it's okay but you know what in a baptist church we cannot have names on a list <laughs> in a baptist church membership cannot be something that you did 10 years ago and it just kind of sits there it, for us membership has to be a dynamic thing that needs to be renewed and 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 it's something that's renewed because membership carries specific responsibilities and 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 the way we understand it, and it's brilliant that in our articles we've now put the covenant, the SBC covenant, right in the center of those articles. I think you open it up and there it is, where we detail what the responsibilities we have towards God as his people and towards one another as his people. And, uh, and so what we're inviting people to do is renew your covenant commitment to one another to God and to the people who are here and to say, you know, we are going to journey together with what God is going to do. We are going to journey together into the new thing that God has for us. And so over the next few weeks, we're wanting to explore different aspects of our covenant. I'm not going to preach on the covenant in that sense. So I'm not going to take you line by line because I'm not sure that's theologically sound. Certainly not Baptist. But we are gonna refresh your memory in terms of what the covenant says. And the covenant starts off with a declaration about supporting the life of the church. And there are three simple ways that we do that. By attending faithfully, by living a godly life, and by giving regularly. So in terms of our affirmation of covenant to one another, when we say we are covenanted to be part of SBC, we're saying we're going to be present. Now, I know there are all kinds of different ways of being present, and I'll talk about some of that in a minute. We say we're going to live a godly life, that actually we're going to try and model Christ likeness in the way that we live, and we're going to try and model that in relation to one another. And we're also going to support the church financially. Uh, i'm not going to talk about finances today but clearly as we start into this new year and all the transition and the cost of living crisis and things we're facing financial challenges as well as a church but there's an element where we say we are going to support the life of our church the verses that we put and uh, i don't know if you've ever seen the, the shorter catechisms or the westminster confession they put Bible verses there, so we thought we would put Bible verses as well. So you can show that what we're saying is biblical. And, and one of the key verses there you'll see is from Hebrews, Hebrews 19 through 25. And, and, and that was the passage that we read. You see, the writer to the Hebrews, uh, just as he's going through this amazing theological treatise, suddenly wants to explain what it means to be part of the church. And and he writes from verse 19 through 25. And uh, I don't know if you ever got taught in the terms of English, but don't make your sentences too long. Like 16 words they say is pretty good. Uh, But every so often you get this in Paul's letter. I think the longest one is Rosie's favorite book in Ephesians. Uh, I think Paul starts in Ephesians one and goes to verse 19 as a single sentence. Um, this is up there, though, because we have a single sentence, verse 19 through to 25. So the writer of the Hebrews is getting very excited as he talks about what it means to be part of the church and what, what the outworking of this is. And, and uh, he, there are lots of uh, sub uh, clauses, but there are basically three main verbs in terms of the sentence where he says, "Let us draw near," "Let's hold unwaveringly." And let's take thought. I I just wanna touch on the first two, but he he talks about let us draw near. And and he has this description of entering into the holy place. And he, he, he says, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with fullness that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. What he's saying is, is he's saying the foundation of the Church of Jesus Christ is people's relationship with Christ and what Christ has done on the cross. You see the church came about because Jesus died on the cross and because he died on the cross, he redeemed to himself a people and that people are called not just to be in relationship with him. They're called to be in relationship with one another. We cannot call God Father and not recognize our brothers and sisters. You know, maybe you've got a tumultuous family (laughs) and it's difficult at Christmas time or whatever with your siblings. Sometimes the Church of Jesus Christ is a bit like that. But nevertheless, You are called to be the family of God. And and what the writer is saying is because Jesus has died, the church of Jesus Christ has been constituted. He has called out for himself through his death, this community. And that's why normally we baptize people and they come into membership in this church. And that's, I think, what maybe the writer of Hebrews is talking about here, about where he's talking about this act of what is, you see, there are two elements in receiving Jesus Christ is your savior. The first thing is what happens in your heart. And uh, and, and when we become a Christian and we say, Jesus, I have faith in you and I wanna know your forgiveness and I repent of the way I've been living and I wanna turn around and I want to live for you. When that happens in your heart, you make it visible when you get baptized. And, uh, And again, that's the clue in terms of our church, Baptist church. And and we believe that it is important to take what is invisible and make it visible. And and I love baptism because it makes it so visible. What's happened? You were once living for yourself and now you have died and now you're living for Christ. Once your life was marked by sin and guilt and judgment and now you are pure and clean and relating to God. And you have entered into and you have been born into a new family. And baptism affirms all of these things. And it's wonderful to see it being affirmed. There's a lot of young people here. If you haven't been baptized yet and you have a faith in Jesus Christ, you need to get baptized. All right. I can say that I'm a Baptist pastor. I don't know how. Probably upset all the different denominations you're from, but nonetheless, <laughs> hey ho. <laughs> but, but, you know, that's where the Church of Jesus Christ begins. And, and, and the reason that membership is important, I know some people go. You know, membership oh, it's institutional things like that. the reason it's important is it makes visible what already exists okay the, the covenant is not going to bring you into relationship with one another it's a declaration of an existing relationship with one another i would say this about a marriage so when a couple come forward to get married uh the, the, hopefully the marriage isn't going to make them love each other. (laughs) They love each other already, and they want to make that love public. That's why you get married, so that you demonstrate the love that exists, so people can see it and is declared publicly. It's the same with covenant. We declare publicly our commitment and what we're doing. Secondly, hold unwaveringly. And uh, in the NIV, it talks about unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful. So so what uh, the writer is saying here is he's saying, you know, don't give up hope, (laughs) don't get into despair, don't think your God cannot work. You know, there is much uh, at the moment and in our lives and in our society that could cause us to feel a sense of hopelessness again. Excuse me for talking to the young people here, but you see if you're a young person, believe God has your future. Don't give up and give yourself over to the hopelessness that seems so endemic in our society at the moment. God has your future, even despite what it might look like externally, because our God brings hope. So unwaveringly in that hope, you sometimes have to just say, we're gonna hang on to that hope. And then thirdly, he says, let us take thought. And and this is the bit I want to to focus a little bit on. Again, the NIV says, let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day of the Lord approaching. The writer is saying, Jesus is coming back, and, and as he talked about the day of the Lord approaching, as you see the day of the Lord approaching, he was talking about seeing a society fall apart. He was talking about a society that was removed from God, where people had forgotten God, where they had forgotten God's instructions and patterns for them and for their lives. He was talking about a society that was far away from God. and the promise that the day of the Lord was coming. And, and so when you saw this stuff, when you saw the possibility of Jesus's return, and by the way, if you, you read any apocalyptic stuff, uh, you will know we're, we're ticking boxes like you wouldn't believe at the moment. And, uh, and he's saying, as you anticipate that, as you anticipate the return of the Lord, he says the church must be effective. And the church will be effective by doing three things by thinking about how we encourage one another to love and good works, how we encourage one another to meet together, and how we encourage and build up rather than tear down. And he says, give thought. Now, now, I I don't know uh, if you spend much time, I imagine you've got lots of things to think about, but, but the writer's saying here, Spend some time thinking about how you relate to your brothers and sisters. How you encourage them so that they will love more and that they will do good works. I mean, that's, that's the heart of what we're about. We're about love and we're about good works. And, and how do you encourage that? How do you do that? How do we spur one another on? Uh, I Don't know if the writer's thinking competitively here. I'm thinking, oh, how do we outdo each other in loving one another? And, and demonstrating good works towards one another. How do we do that? What does that mean? You know, and, and, and how does someone encourage you to love more deeply and to do more good works? And you know, one of the things I have found is that we come out of COVID and everybody's tired. We're all tired. You know, and it's like you, you kind of get up and you start 2023, and you're like, we've got another year. Oh, no. And the minister's going to tell us that we've got to do all this stuff and all that. And we're tired. Go away. You know, I, I don't know if you remember what it's like having teenagers in your house, and you know, you want them to get up. And they've been out rather late the night before, and they pull the duvet over their head, and it's like, go away. We don't want to talk to you. And, and you see when you're tired. You see when it's tough. you see when uh, we've got people in our, our church that do athletics, but you know when you're exhausted and you've run and you're tired, you know somebody to come alongside and say, "Come on." You know just one more act of love, one more good work, One more act of forgiveness. One more declaration of hope, just one more. Come on. We know you're tired but let's run together as the people of God. He then says, by meeting together, you know, meeting together. And and he said, don't give up the habit of meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. And uh, this is a challenge for us at the moment. And obviously through COVID, we've discovered the joys of, of using the internet. And, and I'm a great believer in the internet. I think it's great. And, and I love the fact that we stream. And, and you know, Antony and I were having a brainstorming at, at the end of last week about all the things that we can do in terms of the net and influence and all this, and it's great and stuff. And, uh, and it's brilliant that you see if you're away and you want to tune in, you can watch and you can still stay in touch with the church. It's great. It's great that if you're a mission partner and you're in Indonesia or Thailand, I was reading some emails from Shirley Worland and she's like, it's great. I join my church every morning and I live in Thailand. (laughs) And and, uh, and just like the ability to do that. However, and this is a big however, it's not the same. It isn't the same. And and, uh, I was having a, a chat, a meal with someone and we were talking about this. And I was saying, meetings on Zoom are are okay, they're good. If you can't do anything else, it's better than nothing. But you know, nothing is the same as sitting in a room with the people of God. Nothing is the same as standing together with them and worshiping God. Nothing is the same as feeling the work of the Holy Spirit as a sermon is delivered. And I know you say you can do it all on Zoom and online, but I tell you, it's not. The same and as god's people if we give up the habit of meeting together we give up the importance of prioritizing and and many of the people and and this is one of the things it's, it's just a phenomenon and, I, and it kind of it shocks me a little bit is i meet people and meet people and it's not that they're antagonistic to church it's not the falling out with us it's it's not anything it's just that over COVID, life moved on, our patterns of life changed. Even this Christmas, and at Christmas, people just didn't come out in the way that they used to come out. And it was like, wow, we've lost all the patterns. And, and you see, you know what happens? When a church that doesn't meet together in person, then when people come in who need to be discipleship, who need to be sustained, who need to be encouraged, they're not going to find it because it doesn't happen online. And it's COVID has demonstrated anything. It has demonstrated that actually online is not the same as meeting face to face. And i would be challenging. And, and, you know, and I, again, I don't want to make you feel condemned if you're online. But I do want you to seriously think about what it means to meet together. What it means. The other thing uh, about meeting face to face is the way we deal with stuff. One of the most caustic things in the life of a church that I can think of is when somebody has an issue with someone else and they don't go to that person. The okay? Bible's really clear on this. It's a really easy thing. Somebody upsets you, you have an issue with them, you have, then what do you do? First thing, ignore them. <laughs> you ignore them. Yeah. <laughs> That's good, Sean. I'll, I'll that one out. Sometimes, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> What do you do? The Bible says you take it to them. You go and talk to them. You deal with it, you meet with them. I, I hate, you know, I think email is, I love email for some things, but it's the worst thing for dealing with any issue. I, I, we, we used to have, we unfortunately COVID trashed it, but we used to have a rule which was, don't deal with anything on email that's like controversial, whatever. Do it face to face, get a coffee, sit next to the person. It really is different. And they can hear what you're saying and the intonation of it and things. Emails, people misread them, misunderstand them, misconstrue them, do all sorts of things with them, send them to all their friends. And and then suddenly you're like, whoa, what have we got going on here? And uh, and you know what the problem is? Is that because people, if they have an issue, they don't go to the person. They go to that person and they say, X, you know, oh, X is terrible. Oh, they really They're such a bad Christian, they're such a bad person. They're awful. And and they then go to their next friend and their next friend. And you know what happens? You soon have churches full of factions that are divided and not serving God. Why? Because people did not meet together face to face. You know, as we go into 2023, here I will guarantee something. You will get upset at some point in the life of the church with someone. But I ask you to say, as part of your covenant declaration, I vowed to take that to the person first and foremost. Not write to the leadership about it. not do, Go to the person and talk to them. That's what the Bible says. That's how you deal with this stuff. Now, if you talk to the person and you kind of feel like, we didn't really get that resolved, or this is outstanding, then it's okay. The Bible says, well, you know, we, we don't just then brush it under the seat. Uh, See, we, we say okay, let's deal with it so take involve some other people and then involve some more people uh, Until you work through resolution That's how a p- church is to function if a church does not meet together in this way It will be destroyed. It will be torn apart asunder by factions simplest rule in the Bible hardest one for churches to realize and maintain and it damages churches we are called to meet together. Thirdly, we are called to encourage one another, and uh, and and again to think about how we encourage each other. And uh, you know, I'm beating up an email today. But again, I mean, emails. Who invented emails? I was, uh, I was I was like um, du- during lockdown I. Uh, I decided to watch the whole of Silent Witness from the beginning to the end. There's a lot of them, okay? And uh, it was fun. But what was brilliant was watching the introduction of technology, because there was no technology in the first episodes. They were using dial-up phones, and uh, they didn't have mobiles. They didn't have computers. It was like, wow, and then you saw the computers coming in and the mobile phones coming in, and, and, and then you get into this spacey kind of high-tech. And, and you just think, you know, what, what did we do before we had emails? Oh, we talked to each other when we got upset. Now we just write and <laughs> fire it off, and, and then we don't think. Does this encourage people? Does this discourage people? What, what impact does this actually have? No, it's making me feel good, because i vented and now I feel good. I've pushed the send button and I've dealt with it. And, 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 you know, and But again, emails can be used for good. You know i i I got an email this week and um it was uh from from one of the church members and i'll just read you it It just says you know as we approach the end of another year i just want to thank you for all that you've done in the lord's name in the past year it's not been an easy year for all of us but god has been faithful and we have seen his hand at work in so many ways i've been so aware of the care and support given by the church during some difficult times It's a privilege to be part of such a caring fellowship. Encouraging or discouraging? Let's see if we can work it out. Yeah, that's encouraging. Yeah, and, and, and what the writer to the Hebrews is saying is, part of your covenant towards one another is to encourage each other. You know, we all get down, we all get disheartened, we all get disillusioned. You know, we all struggle with people and relationships and things. And you know what we're called to do to one another in that context? Encourage each other. Do you know, there are many mature godly people. Uh, I was talking about Paul and Margaret, but there are many mature godly people in our our church. And and it's been interesting to see the response of some of these individuals in terms of just some of the things we faced. And they went to encouragement and affirmation. and, And I thought, That's spiritual maturity. That's understanding what the church is about. So we're called to protect the life of our church. How are we going to protect the life of our church? By stirring one another up to love and good works. By ensuring that we meet face to face, both in terms of worship, but also in terms of resolving stuff. And by learning to encourage one another and creating a, a culture of encouragement. Can I, can I just add on, on this, you know, over the last two or three years, we have seen leaders effectively burnt out by the discouragement of the congregation, okay? And, and you know I, I know, I know that's a harsh thing to say, but it's the truth, and I think it does need to be said. And, and, and you know, and I sit in a culture where I sit and think that should never be the culture of any church, far less this church. It should not be. And if we have leaders that are getting burnt out because of discouragement that is coming in relation to the church community, we need to sit down and ask ourselves, you know, what is a reimagining of a church look like? What kind of church culture do we want to have in this place? What do we want to be modeling and demonstrating? And as we covenant together, say, God, we commit ourselves to that future. The days are short, Jesus is coming back. Be this kind of church. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the challenge of Hebrews. Lord, we we pray about the challenge in relation to where we are now. and And we know that there are many things here that might prick our conscience, and there are many things here where we may need to confess, Lord, we have failed to live up to being a covenant, a truly covenanted people. Lord, help us as we move into this new year to affirm our commitment to you and to affirm our commitment to one another. We ask this in your name, amen.